This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Just like that, the final hour is here. Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Glad you're with us on the Outkick Network, streaming live or listening live across our, our great radio partners uh, with Outkick. Chad, we've got a discussion coming up on an Orioles announcer and a bizarre suspension. Plus, but maybe the strangest I've ever yeah. seen. And then uh, Steve Cohen continues to be great as an owner of the Mets, despite being a disaster and a total failure. Uh, with the uh, roster he put together with the this money season. spending. With this, this season, season, at yes, least. That's what I mean. um, yeah, the, the, the apology the, tour continues. The apology tour, and uh, I, he's more than more than owner. He's definitely a fan. Hutton, did I see correctly that you and our v- next very special guest were in the same building on Saturday we night? We were. Uh, Charlie Arnold. Judging by Instagram, you were both in the same place uh, at the same time? Joins us uh, here on Hot Mike. Yes, uh, UFC Nashville w- was cool. Uh, did not have the... Uh, the great view and, uh, of course, the access that Charlie did behind the scenes there and, uh, of course, a part of the broadcast team. But uh, I absolutely love it. And, uh, Charlie, I hope you did too uh, with the time at Bridgestone. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a great crowd. It was so yeah, much it was. fun. It was. It was. It was, a, it was a really high-energy crowd. I just wish that the main event would have delivered to the likes of the crowd because – once the phones start coming out and the booze start setting in, you know, you can only hope for a little bit more for a crowd like that. But you know what I mean? Um, Corey Sanhagen tore his tricep. Yeah. Right. So not much he could have done. We didn't even realize that at the time. We were just like, okay, you know, this is a pretty dull, you know, more of a technical grappling match rather than an MMA fight. But he tore his tricep. So uh, the fact that he hung in there and was able to last five rounds and, you know, retain his spot in the rankings, it's, you know, you can't be mad at him. Hey, so you're doing these interviews with the fighters right after they've competed, right? And the other fight's going on as you're about to talk to the the guys that are, are currently in the octagon. You've got to keep up with all that. How do you manage it? Uh, I just pay attention to the fight because uh, they don't want every interview. It's more like okay. they, they want the interviews after, like, the, the fights that were more intriguing occurred. Like, if there's a finish... Um, they usually want that fighter or, um, if something crazy happened in the fight, but, uh, so I just pay attention to the fights and then kind of like mentally take a few notes of what was memorable during that fight or, you know, things that stood out to me and then just go to the back, knock out the interview and then on to the next. And you get to chill for the main event or no? Uh, yeah, well, I don't do, um, any reports right before the main event, but, uh, sometimes I will interview the fighter who won the main event but a lot of times they'll also go there's a, a desk uh like a, a set and uh, a lot of times they'll go to the desk for the after show so um i don't always get them sometimes um but sometimes they talk to the loser of the main event you know which which can be better in many, yeah based on storyline and uh what's next for those guys charlie arnold with us uh, outkick host uh a part of the ufc broadcast as well which was excellent um uh, we've got a story coming up on a uh, orioles announcer who's suspended for you know, just being uh, stating facts and stats about wins and losses against certain 
cl ball clubs. Uh, but there is another suspension. There's a, a rookie driver in NASCAR on mm -hmm. the uh, on the Cup Series, uh, Noah Gragson, who has been suspended indefinitely for liking a, a meme, a George Floyd meme. Um, at some point after this was posted, which was late May, he hit the like button. And for an account that doesn't have any followers, it had enough where his name's popping up as how many people liked the post. And it was Noah Gragson and however many others. What do you make of just liking a, a meme as compared to actually posting a meme when it comes to suspensions and the conduct policy of leagues? So first of all, I will say that there is, it does remain a possibility that you could accidentally like something, which is why men, when you are scrolling through the Instagrams of women that you might have a little bit of a crush on, you got to be very careful because when you're in the depths of those Instagram pages to like something from two years ago uh, looks, you know, <laughs> so great. So, so be careful to, to everybody out there. Be careful when scrolling Instagram. Uh, but so there is a possibility, I guess you could have accidentally liked it. A. B, I think liking something is not the same thing as posting yourself. I think posting it yourself really takes in intention. That means like I totally subscribe to this and I want everyone to know I subscribe to this, right? I think liking something, I mean, there's all types of possibilities where in that moment you could have thought something was just funny. It doesn't mean that every, you know what I mean? There's a reason why memes are made and it's just everything's kind of like making fun of other more serious items. Um, the George Floyd, Floyd thing, I do not believe that he is laughing at anyone losing their life. But I looked at the meme myself. And let's be honest, it was a little clever, uh, the play on words and uh, putting his his head on a crab body. So it's it's not like you need to, you know, I be think any type of person to understand why it would be considered a little bit comical. It's not like you're you're laughing at that. It's, I think it's more of just the meme itself that I I don't know. I can't really defend him because I personally didn't think it was like a funny meme, but you know, maybe in well, the moment. It's just, also, I think it I'm also, sorry. what also plays into it though, is the race this coming week is in Michigan. And uh, hmm. this is the week where they announced that he's been suspended indefinitely. He's issued How did they find this on this very week leading up to the race in Michigan? Like how did this convenient chain of events occur? Like, I wonder who saw it. And did they see it immediately? Was this a decision that had been weeks in the process of being made? Um, I, but but I want to answer the other question. Do I believe that someone should be suspended for yeah. liking him? Absolutely not. No, I think this has completely gone overboard. And I think that leagues are just trying so hard to remain polit politically correct these days that they are just willing to jump through hoops uh, to prove that they are that way. So, no, I think this was very stupid on NASCAR's part. And I only hope that people don't get any dumber. Otherwise everyone's going to be suspended and there will be no more sports being played. Well, and I, I think I, I'm willing to bet it was just people on the internet that saw it that were going back through and then they made an outrage about it. And then someone wrote about it. And, and Charlie, you know, there are people that go back through old tweets, oh, Instagram posts, anything, and they want to write about it. And the moment you get the, the least bit celebrity status, they're going to go back and do that. I listened to a podcast over the weekend with Shane Gillis, the comedian. He got on SNL in 2019. And then the moment that was announced with all the trade magazines and people were tweeting about it, within 15 minutes, reporters had gone through all of his podcast and found where in a comedy bit he used a racial slur. And they posted that online. And within a week, he was fired from SNL. And he talked about all that. But... 
there is a cottage industry of people who simply sift through old social media posts and are going to go find them on any one of the media or anyone in sports. I mean, I'm sure there are agents that give their clients advice that they want to go in and scrub stuff from their social media. Yeah, I remember graduating from college and they were like, make sure nothing's on Facebook. So I went through and detagged all of the, you know, considerably offensive photos of me, even ones that like could be misconstrued. Um, but now I'm upset about it because now I don't know where all of these amazing photos from of me up from college are like doing the keg stands and, you know, just maybe looking like I was intoxicated. Now I wish I would have had those because those are memories I'll never get back. So you know, friends out there, if, if you have a photo that I may have untagged years ago, please retag me. Yeah, so uh, other people can like them from five, six. Yeah, you know, whatever. I don't care. I have nothing to hide. Ago. I don't care if I was drunk. Who cares? No, I'm saying that you, the guys would be exposed for scrolling. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, this and, is it's just, it's just ridiculous. But I'm sure it's the same people that are watching LeBron James eat lunch or the same people that are scrolling Instagram looking for minor indiscretions from years past. Well, you mentioned that. So LeBron's eating lunch. Uh, there are those that are just watching him eat. Uh, and he's sitting at a table where he can be seen. It's not like I think of it as LeBron knew that people would be watching him uh, eat lunch instead of everyone gawking over the fact that, oh, there's LeBron James over there. Yeah, I mean... I listen, I get it. Like, think if you're a fan and you walk by and you're like, Ooh, LeBron James, that's super cool. You know, to like stop and snap a photo. I mean, I think, I think it's weird to snap a photo, but I, I understand like there are some people that like, that's how they, yeah. what they think is appropriate. I would never in my life do that, but I get that they would be like, Oh my gosh, this is cool. Or there's LeBron James. You know, who do you, why do you, why would you expect to see LeBron James eating lunch as you're just casually strolling, strolling down the street? But to stop and just watch, you need to reevaluate your life. Well, I, there's a natural inclination to see people gathered looking at something and to slow down yeah. with them when you're walking on the street and saying, what's going on over here? If you're especially a tourist in a new city, what are we looking at? But then you kind of keep, you're moving as you're doing it. Yeah. And then someone says, oh, that's LeBron James. I could understand like stopping and looking up, oh man, that is LeBron James. And I guess maybe, like, I, I wouldn't be the one to do it, but I'd understand someone, like, quickly snapping a photo from across the street and then mo going about their day. But, yeah, I'm with you. Just to sit and stand and watch for longer than 15 seconds is pretty odd. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, we, we can uh, drive on the interstate and be slowed down because everyone's going to slow down to see the car accident. The rubbernecking. Yeah, yeah that, that, exactly. and that's like the walking on the sidewalk rubbernecking. If everybody stopped and gathered to see something, I'm also going to look back and see what they're looking at. Yeah. Human reaction. Uh, so yep. Elon Musk, in a reaction to uh, well, this, is it, a crazy story. It, it, it tweets out. Or what I mean, uh, did we say tweet tweets out anymore? I think it's just posts. Posts. He posts. Uh, I noticed that it says now. I'm saying. I don't think we should. I don't think we should adhere. I agree. To, uh, to the um, new norms, I think we say tweet still because I still call it Twitter. I'm not calling it X uh, yeah. until like it's ingrained in my brain. So he tweeted, yes, keep going. Okay, he tweeted, if you are unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit, please let us know. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, my favorite, because I there was, there was the, the best reaction of all time came from Donald Trump Jr. He responded, he was like, I've got a large legal bill, please let me know who to send it to. I mean, that's the best, right? I mean, think about... <laughs> the legal bills that Elon Musk could be responsible for if if this is actually true and he wants to follow through with taking care of everything because Donald Trump uh racked up quite a quite a few dollars uh trying to fight all of the different things against him and you know Elon Musk you might want to 
You might want to watch what you say. Do you think that X will ever take over for Twitter? Obviously, it's not now. Like, in the beginning, it's not. But five, ten years from now, like 18-year-olds just now, 17-year-olds that are just getting on the platform, some of them will only know it as X. We only yeah. know it as Twitter. I, I just, I'm curious about the time threshold it takes for a rebranding to completely cross over to where now we know it as that. And then is it 20 years we look back and say, oh, remember that thing called Twitter? It's something new now. My, my, my kids have it. Yeah. What is it? Like, how long would that take? I feel like it's going to be a long time. Well, I don't think it's going to be exactly how you described it. I think it's going to be more of, because Twitter isn't just going to remain Twitter. I mean, Twitter was, the reason Elon Musk bought Twitter wasn't for the sole purpose, I say this all the time, for the sole purpose of owning a social social media platform. He has much grander plans in mind, uh, saving humanity, being at the utmost priority of all of the things. Uh, X is really just, this is just one tiny component of what he intends X to be. So I'm not even so sure that in a few years from now, Twitter or X, as, as it's now known, is going to even take the same form that it does now. Um, so I don't even know that we'll be referring to it in that sense, but I think it could be something along the lines of, hey, remember that platform we used to always get on and share originally what we were eating for breakfast, then we started sharing news stories, then people started trolling on it, and then people made your life miserable. Oh, yeah, that thing called Twitter. Oh, yes, what fond memories we have of that. But I don't think X is going to remain as it is right now. I think it's going to turn into something much greater. and It's going to be tied to all of these different components. Um, and I'm excited to see what kind of form that takes. Well, he says he's going to stream the fight with Zuckerberg on X. Yeah, I know. Why would? Yeah, uh, so I guess I guess it's I guess it's real, uh, right? I, I have to get in there once I talk to to Dana again and be like, "Hey, put me on this fight. I need to I need to be involved." Th this this kind of weirds me out a little bit because my brain immediately goes to these dudes are just controlling all of technology, like this yeah. is all a co a collab. Yeah. They're really not at odds. They're together. They're going to control all of us. And now That's this is like I pat you on the back, and then you pat me on the back. I'll do Are it on X. Are you talking about Zuckerberg and, and Musk? Or? Yes. I'm, I'm talking about if Zuckerberg agreed to do it on X, which would make no sense for Zuckerberg, I feel like they're secretly in on everything yeah. together. No way. No chance. No chance. I don't believe that at all. I think that he said it will be streamed on X. I don't believe that's going to be the only platform where you can see it. I'm sure Facebook will also say, or Meta, you can also find it streaming on our platforms as well. No chance Zuckerberg has agreed to that. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I think it's probably going to be a multi-platform thing. I think Musk was just putting it out there. It will be streamed on X. Um, but no chance these guys are working together. Elon Musk is way too smart for that. Chad, you're going to have to be Twitter blue in order to watch this. Yeah, I just, I, I don't fully believe any billionaire. I'm weird that way. I, I just, believe I don't, Elon Musk. I, Elon Musk is I, a I, hero. He needs to be protected at all costs. I love Elon Musk. I mean, look, I don't dislike Elon Musk, but I, I just don't know that. I don't think you've been 100% honest or pure to reach a billion dollar threshold. I don't think it's possible in current humanity to do that. I think that you've made some deals along the way to reach that point. And I think he's probably a lot like everyone I, I else. I hope he does. He also, you know, just going back to the, but I wish the threat of legal action uh, for employers that have suspended or uh, fired or mistreated uh, employees due to posting or liking something on the platform. I mean, uh, he says, we won't just sue. It will be extremely loud. We will go after the boards of directors of these companies, too. I, I, I am mean, rooting for this fight to happen, though, Charlie. Make no mistake about it. I hope it's streamed wherever. Multi-platform on X, on Meta. I don't care. I want to see it. And well, I want Elon you to be Musk, doing the interview. I want you Elon to do the interview Musk, post fight. Uh, 
Elon Musk tweeted out yesterday that he uh, brings his weights to work because he's too busy to get to the gym. So he just lifts weights in between God knows what. I don't even I don't even know what Elon Musk's day looks like. I can't even fathom what it looks like. But I love it. I love that he brings his weights to work and he's just like probably sitting on like conference calls or whatever, just like doing bicep curls, like banging out some push ups. 998, like, 999, <laughs> 1000. <laughs> That's what he's probably counting down as the, uh, as the ladies walk in the room. Charlie, always great. Thank you for being a very special guest Thanks, on the guys. show. Always and, fun. Uh, we'll catch up soon. Okay, see ya. Charlie Arnold, Outkick host. Catch her with the UFC broadcast as well. And maybe the, you know, she's got the backstage interviews for Musk and Zuckerberg. I don't know if Charlie caught my uh, Anchorman reference with that, I that joke. I don't know if you heard me, but I just did a thousand. That's <laughs> what so he tells everyone who walks in the room. Shirtless. Oh, uh, Chad, coming up, an Orioles announcer, the main TV broadcaster, suspended for literally stating facts in the record book. Ones that haven't been, you know, yep. forgotten about. Next week, a new game with Charlie, too. Elon Musk or Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll play that game with her next week. It's going to be fun. Uh, that and more headlines next right here on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Six the Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, our conversation with Albert Hainsworth from last week, making the, the media rounds over the weekend. Chad, uh, Steve Cohen continues to get it done uh, for me. If I and, and it's look, I'm not a Mets fan. I'm not about trying to buy championships unless I'm a fan of a team with an owner that's willing to do it in a league where there are plenty of owners who don't. And even when things are a disaster and, you know, just a miserable failure this year in what they tried to do versus the results we see and the, the fire sell of some of their top players who had no trade clauses that were willing to waive them to get out. Uh, Cohen's sending out letters to Mets fans, along with uh, his wife, Alex, apologizing for how the year has gone. 
and letting fans know they don't take loyalty for granted from them. Uh, with the payroll being $360 million, uh, the largest we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. And you have the guy who, I mean, he could easily say, hey, we went for it. Are, do I really need to apologize for it? But it goes a long way. And it's not like, I, I, keep, I keep thinking, it's not like this is the owner in Kansas City or, you know, in Minneapolis. This is a, a owner spending top dollar in New York and he's treating his fans this way. This is awesome. No, in, I, in I, love, I love year. to see it. And if you're going to spend top dollar, that's the market to spend top dollar in, uh, in any sport. So I, I like that he's doing it. And if I was a billionaire owner of the New York Mets, I'd probably go about my business the same way. This is also a good lesson in just because you decide to spend top dollar doesn't always make a winner. The right. San Diego Padres are another example of this, where they are the third highest payroll in baseball, and they've struggled this year. Their run differential, their plus-minus is really good. They've blown teams out, but they've lost a lot of close games, and because of that, they're not in a good spot now, in standings right now. He's also doing, He wants the, you know, the season ticket holders to remain, right? They, please return. He's selling them on next year and how he, he's going to make sure they continue to be as competitive as possible next year. But you know, in this quote-unquote rebuild, I don't think he's He's not – I don't think this is a long-term plan for Steve Cohen. He's, win, he's willing to spend again if it takes that. I just think you can't do it at every single position the way they went about it. You know, you got to have some, no, some homegrown I, talent, like yeah, you're saying. and he got some in return for Scherzer and Verlander in those deals. So they, they got some good prospects that should be up with the big club soon enough. I also think he's going to go for broke this offseason. I don't think the strategy is going to change. I think the strategy this year changed because he knew they weren't going to be in the playoffs this year. Mm. So he got what he could in return for guys that may not be around that much longer. But what do I expect from the Mets this offseason? They're going to be players for any big free agent that's out there that they want. They're going to go spend top dollar for those guys. I don't, my point is, I don't know that he's necessarily learned from this as much as he adjusted the strategy for 2023 only yeah. to get something in return. Doesn't mean he's not going to spend top dollar and go for huge names this next offseason. Chad, uh, Orioles announcer Kevin Brown has been removed from the, the TV booth by commenting about the lack of previous wins against the Rays. The same organization that had Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer, and Palmer's still there, but you had Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer on Masson, uh, who were very open and honest whenever you know things were traded uh, and assets were traded away from the Farm Club, you've got uh, Machado and others on the move. Uh, and we're honest about really dire situations. Now they have their current guy, who was calling 150 games, I believe, Kevin Brown. He said what? To get suspended indefinitely for a winning club? Quote, I watched the whole video of it, and a, a buddy, uh, Davey Shepard, shout out Davey, mutual Thank friend you, of ours, sent that and said, you guys really need to talk about this. And I clicked on it, and it's like a two-minute video of a pregame that <laughs> I watched the whole thing, Hutton, and I was like... Yeah, we're waiting on something controversial. I kept waiting. I'm like, it's going to be something racist. It's going to be homophobic. It's going to be transphobic. It's going to be a joke in poor taste about something. And nothing. He's going to quote Anchorman I, I or old the, school. I listened to the whole thing. And it was a, like a, a poorly timed the hangover. Quote. Yeah, right. I, there was nothing. nothing. I mean, I, I, you could watch this clip. 15 times, 
and not find a single thing objectionable about it. Here was the quote that got him suspended. I'm not making this up. This is the quote during an open to a game. The Orioles have won more games against them this season than the last two combined. That's it. That's what he said about this year versus the Tampa Bay Rays. That got Angelos, John Angelos, right? Yeah, Yeah, John John. Angelos. He's the chair. The owner. Now, this according to, and I'm trying to look for the guy's name in the story. There is an Orioles beat writer who said, I looked into it, and yep, it's John Angelos being an idiot. He was suspended for being critical of the team. Now, the Orioles, as of, this is from uh, Matt Jurgensen. I have a reliable source that says the Brown, Brown is currently suspended over a comment made during the Rays series. The Orioles have won more games, what I just read. Currently suspended indefinitely. Now, the Orioles have responded to awful announcing. And they are claiming, they first say, we don't speak on personnel matters. <laughs> And they dispute, here it is, we don't comment on employment decisions. However, Kevin Brown will be back with us in the near future. I take that as he was suspended for exactly the reason we're talking about, but he'll be back soon. But then they go on to say, but we dispute your reporting that he was suspended. So, but he'll be back with us soon. But won't say what? We don't comment on personnel matters, but he's going to be back soon. And we dispute your reporting that he was suspended. So John Angelos and his brother, uh, Lewis or uh, Lewis. Peter. There's a Peter Angelos well, that's too, That's their right? father. Okay. That's their father. But the brother is the one I have I a dispute over like who's running what. John Angelos runs the day-to-day operations of the Baltimore Orioles. He also is the president of Masson. So they've got both. And that's why it's just like, yeah, you say something negative, you're out. Which is ridiculous. Uh, and it's, it's a fact it's not even negative. It a, it's a positive no, what, about what has been the greatest Orioles well, regular negative, season in many years. It's a negative through years. the eyes of John Angelos, though, is what I'm saying. It's not negative. I mean... It's a fact. Yeah, but also... And like the Rays have been great, it, too. It's also glass half full, glass half empty, yes, right? You're, yes. You're saying, like, look what we're doing this year. We have beaten them more this season with the year not even up yet than we have the last two combined. I see that as a positive. I don't consider myself an overly positive guy. I consider myself a realist. But if, you, yeah. if I hear that quote in a broadcast, I think, man, good for the O's. Great year they're having. This is cool. They're doing something good this year. I don't think, man, that guy really just took a shot at his own club. How dare he say that? How dare he? How dare he go there with the Rays record? This is just pure insanity. Yeah. I mean, and, and pure again, insanity. They, they had Gary Thorne in the booth, who was excellent. He was really good. You know, uh, Jim Palmer, who is as vocal as anybody about if the club is good or bad. Well, the Orioles, to me, are the best story in baseball this year. They're the best record Michael McHenry in the AL. predicted they're going to go to the World Series and yeah. lose to the Braves. They're, they're, they, they have the best record in the AL. The Braves currently have the best record in the NL. I mean, that's – but the best story is the Orioles, this slow, methodical build where they have traded away key guys in the past, gotten a ton of prospects and draft picks in return. They've drafted well, and now they're seeing it all pay off, which is cool. Um, speaking of payoffs, conference realignment going on. Okay. Hutton Lane Kiffin has just spoken on conference realignment. Would you like to hear his quote on it? I'd love to. Quote, I hope nobody gets on to these 17, 18-year-olds that make decisions based off of NIL money when all these universities there are doing go. the same thing. There we go. Lane Kiffin we hit this pointing earlier. out the hypocrisy. And, and good for him here. Because, but the, you know, the portal and NIL is also what Kiffin has been harping on, though. Yeah. You know, he wants federal legislation, too. Um, but it's the it's the power conferences that are 
literally sending other conferences and other programs to the portal to join them for the revenue, the television revenue, which they don't want the college athletes to have, which is driven through football and in the NCAA tournament. Well, it's, it's what everyone knows, the hypocritical nature of this, that Lane Kiffin, uh, so, as, a, as a truth teller, can just come out and say, you know, we probably need to stop harping on kids making money decisions when there's no it, – it, it's my problem with this, the more I really process it, is – and I'll, I'll keep pointing this out. I, I'm not naive. I know that money is the top factor in most decisions, but it never has to be the only factor. And we've removed every other factor. Geography, yeah. rivalry, tradition, student-athlete, academics, all of it. We've heard for years that you know the Big Ten and the SEC, Big Ten would never get rid of Northwestern because of their academics. SEC loves Vanderbilt's academics. I don't know that that's true anymore because I don't think they're considering anything but the bottom line, and that is TV, media rights, money. And that's sad. I, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like that we're only looking at one thing. I understand it being the number one thing, but there should be a number two, three, four, and five. And if two, three, four, and five outweigh number one, then you should rethink your decision-making. But instead, we're just looking at number one and nothing else. Well, it's, not, it's number one because they can, do, they, they can double what they were getting, right? It's, it's, it's not just some staircase climb, a gradual increase. It is an immediate top-dollar figure that no one else is getting other than the NFL. Well, they've also convinced themselves that they can't survive. You're making these rash decisions out of survival. They're telling everyone, we either do this or die. Well, Which and I don't know that to be true. Well, they not die, but they, they could have done something to stay together. They can't compete against the conferences who have that. They're not going to have the same amount of money. Yeah, uh, Florida State's not going away. They're just not going to be the national power. And that look, the, the the president and the trustees are not wrong here when they say, uh, by the time we are talking about twenty thirty six and the landscape of college athletics, we will be a third rate conference. I mean, they're not wrong in thinking that if, in fact, you're just going to continue with the same payout and you're looking at what the SEC and the Big Ten could be doing uh, as far as super conference and where you are in the college football playoff, how that progresses after the two-year agreement, and, and that's renegotiated with all the TV networks. I get it. But the incentive for ESPN isn't there to have the SEC have Florida State stay there because they've already got them. They've already... They've got them under that agreement through 2036 with a massive payout if they decide, decide to leave and bolt for the Big Ten. But even the Big Ten hasn't mentioned Florida State because they don't have a partner. Clemson was vocal back in the spring, and now they're not taking the same approach that Florida State is, at least not publicly. They can do it privately, but not publicly. And if, it, if they were a partner, if, if they were partnered up, Florida State would have the partner be vocal or Florida State would be silent. Because it would be a, a collective effort to make it happen over the next 12 months. And they would choose a way to approach it and attack. I would always be leery of the quiet guy in the room. It's Greg Sankey. Well, there's two. There's Greg Sankey, who's, who's always going to be quiet until he knows what he's doing. Clemson's being awfully quiet. North Carolina's being awfully quiet. North Carolina, as AD, though, is back, is taking shots at Florida State, saying to pipe down. And you, like us, signed a grant of rights through 2036 like we all did in 2016. I would just be, 
I don't I don't know this to be true. Yeah. I think Greg Sankey's being honest when he says we haven't really put it at the forefront of anything of adding teams. But you know what? Florida State may be being loud because they feel like the SEC is eyeing someone else and they want it to be known they they're ready to play ball. And they don't feel like they're getting any love from the SEC or Big Ten, right? Like you usually yeah. speak out when you feel like, hey, we're the ones that need to go because we're the ones dying to get out of this conference. Stop talking to Virginia and North Carolina or to Virginia Tech and, and Clemson or whoever the two may be in the conference. I'm just spitballing. There's some other quiet programs, too, that have no leverage. Yeah, we're not hearing <laughs> a lot from Wake Forest either. <laughs> but Boston College, uh, shockingly, hasn't said much lately. <laughs> Watch just, out for the quiet guys. I mean, I, I, I said it I my, my big take earlier on it, but if I'm Boston College and Missouri and some of these other guys, I'm probably just kind of, yes, sir, no, sir. Keeping my mouth shut, I'll keep I'll keep the checks from these power conferences. Just keep them coming, and we'll do our best over here. We're we're not causing a fuss with anything. So if you know that UConn's eager to move, if they get the right landing spot, and they didn't get the Big Twelve, and your mark wanted them, and they're now they're at the even four that they wanted. If you're the ACC, do you ring up UConn? UConn would make a, a heck of a lot more sense in the ACC than they would in the Big Twelve, as far as the brands and well, just I, approaching I, the hoops aspect. But again, like this is you know we're just thinking about money. And nothing else. When I hear UConn, I don't know about the rest of you guys out there, but I think basketball. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Shocking, I know, that someone would think of any other sport but football. But I immediately think, well, who would it make sense for UConn to be playing in conference and basketball? And it makes a heck of a lot more sense. Instead of playing Oklahoma State and Baylor and Houston, playing Virginia, Duke, North Carolina but- would be pretty cool. But they would. They're Syracuse, also if AAC, Boston College, wh- wh- whatever they're discussing. Uh, the payout though would be far more than what they're getting, and I think that's the ultimate jump that they would be wanting, right? Like it puts them in a different ballpark figure, even with the the conferences that are scared of the Big Ten and the SEC. Big Twelve though has done a tremendous job. No one's worried about their relevancy currently. They won realignment. Yeah. Based on where they were and where they are now. Solid leadership, too. Coming up, more headlines to get you through your work day. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on. I'm Mike with Honey Withrow, Monday edition, flown by, until football's right here. We're 18 days away. There's a little uh, buzz in the air. Again, uh, Chad, I mentioned last week, I don't know if it was with you or uh, on your well-deserved time off. Uh, it is the long wait to August 31st for me now. You get the preseason games and you start seeing some highlights of... <laughs> Of the Hall of Fame game. Oh, man. Just every little taste. Just yeah. a little taste is all we need. Hall of Fame game. Uh, hard Knocks with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets tomorrow night. Tomorrow, yeah. There's this Johnny Manziel documentary Untold, on Netflix yeah. about to launch tomorrow that we're going we'll to have the, the director on. Yeah. I'm, so many little things to just whet your appetite. Here's what kills me the last few days around here in Nashville. Every morning has had that overcast sky yeah. to it. 
And that's what gets me going more than anything is like, you know, falls will arrive when it's a little bit cooler, but you get more overcast days. Hang on. That makes me want fall. And then, you know, whenever we were doing the I'll kick the tailgate tour a couple of years back, it takes a while for that fall weather to kick in. Uh, we had a 108 degree day <laughs> in Gainesville, Florida on pavement doing the show where I sweated like I've never sweated before. Dropped on that seven bad pounds. Boy. I was a solid 11 pounds lighter by the time I got home that weekend. <laughs> on a future show, Hutton, uh, we, we got to bring you know this up maybe uh, tomorrow in a segment. And we'll, we'll poll our audience um, when we're back on YouTube tomorrow about whether or not I can pull off a truck. I can be a truck guy. You absolutely can. Face with a big decision. Car's in the shop. It's been there for 11 days. No idea why. Very backed up, I guess. They won't tell you. Last time I called, I called them last Monday. They said four or five days. And they said, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. We'll, we'll get to it. We've just got a real line of cars in front of it to look at them. Okay, it's good to know that's still there. It's parked out back. Good to know you can see the car. I fear that the damage is going to be so much, and I've had this car for so long, and it's over 200,000 miles on it. The paint on your car is going to be faded now from the sun it's been sitting in. No doubt. uh, Over 200,000 miles in this car (laughs) that I'm going to get a new vehicle, and I'm thinking about a truck. You've been talking about this for a few years, I've driven trucks, but I've never owned one. You absolutely should get one. I've been flirting with the idea for a while. Carry all the softball equipment in the back? Softball equipment, um... Got some property that I, you know, maybe, maybe not. We'll build on one day. <laughs> it's been about five years I've been saying that. Maybe I will. Maybe need some more stuff for that. I just like the idea of like, oh, I can just throw it in the back of the truck when I'm hauling something off. Chad's going to build his field of dreams at his property soon. Now, we also, you know, practically, this is something we have to factor in and let people vote on this, but we work in downtown Nashville. And I'll be driving this thing into downtown Nashville every day, parking it in a parking lot in downtown. Yeah, downtown metropolitan area. It's not an F two fifty though. No, I'm not going to have a dually or anything. (laughs) It's not Not a diesel engine. What was uh, the the monster truck in Righteous Gemstone? The Redeemer. They drove around. (laughs) I'm not going to be driving the Redeemer, taking up eight spots or anything. But anyway, we'll get back into it. But I'm I'm strongly considering. Chad, Domingo Herman who had the perfect game uh, late June for the Yankees. It's uh, been a real roller coaster season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Domingo. Early, uh, late, or middle of last week, Yankees are preparing for their start. Right before first pitch, they make the announcement that uh, the team and that Herman agreed to that, that he would be stepping away for the remainder of the season to go to alcohol treatment uh, facility, go to rehab. And... Uh, McHenry joined us, and he was like, look, this, this, is, this is something that guys battle with all the time uh, for a coping mechanism. He dedicated the perfect game to his uncle who had passed away a couple days prior. Uh, and, and, you know, things were definitely going on behind the scenes. There have been further uh, details that have emerged, including to a, a clubhouse incident where he arguably, he, he forcibly, uh, like, got into a, a verbal match with Aaron Boone, uh, argued over something, flipped a couch, broke smashed, a TV, smashed a TV, and it made jokes as a teammate was being sent to the minors. Uh, so, you know, it comes across as a guy who was drunk in the clubhouse. Made him go into a sauna to try to sweat out the alcohol. Yeah. Uh, showing up at the ballpark, drunk, not a good idea for, a, for an MLB player. 
I spoke, I remember years ago, this was probably 15, 16 years ago, knew a guy who played Major League Baseball. He was a really good player at the time. I remember talking to him off air about this. And he said he never really had any, any big problems or issues. But I remember him talking about the lifestyle of a Major mm-hmm. League player. And he was a young guy at the time, too. And he's like, look, you get a lot of money, you know, thrown on you at once when you get up to the major, especially if you sign that first big contract. And it's more about regulating yourself on the road. Because he said you could go out every night. He's like, you don't show up to the park until midday. Well, especially if you're a pitcher. For games. And starting pitchers, and that's what I was going to get to, starting pitchers are even worse. You pick pitch once a week. So he said, it's all about what do you want to do? He said, most guys have a city that they're in. Some cities, it's like, I don't want to do anything. Uh, this is where I'm going to lay low yeah. and do nothing. But they have other spots. You're going to pick one night and go out with buddies. And you're going to drink a lot. Like the NBA road trips. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to drink a lot. But he said, over. you can do, but it was interesting the way he framed it. It's like, you can do whatever you want. When you have that world of possibilities, it can lead you into some trouble. Right, that's where I think we're probably seeing with Herman, not knowing the full issue, but I could see that being a pitfall for any professional baseball player. And I, here's hoping with the, with the 162 games, full recovery. I hope everything goes well with him. Like I, I, I want this to end in a positive fashion. Uh, but to me, it's it's remarkable the the stories guys have of other players who could you know, you know, be on pills, alcohol, whatever. And then they go out and perform at the level that they do. And so they, the, I guess the, the view would be, oh, I don't have an issue because if I did, I wouldn't perform at this level. It's not affecting my play or my pay. So they continue to do it until they fall into this you know, vicious cycle of whatever they're addicted well, to. Well, I mean, the, the, it's, it's widely reported now, but 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, Mickey Mantle yeah. had a ton of issues. But a lot of guys in that era, they were – Pounding liquor at night to also cope with the day-to-day wear and tear of playing a full Major League Baseball season as an adult man. Mm-hmm. Guys aging it sometimes to numb themselves. They would have to drink a lot to go to bed. Then they'd wake up and they'd take greenies. They'd essentially take speed pills to get through a game. And then they'd start the process over again. The amphetamines that would go on in Major League Baseball was a huge problem for years. Guys taking uppers and pills before games to get it going again. Well, and, you know, I've told stories about McNair. You know, it's long told that, you know, he needed a, a bottle of wine or so prior to game day to go to sleep on the road. And then they make sure you have a beer in the locker, cold beer and a nap, you know, in the, in the darkest room possible where you could close the door and he wouldn't be able to hear anything. So he could get his nap in before kickoff. And he'd go out and just ball. But he was doing it for the pain. Yeah, and I, I, look, I think, you know, Herman probably could have gotten by with this lifestyle. I'm sure there are a lot of professional athletes that get by with that lifestyle because they just don't make a scene that forces the club's hand. Herman could have had an issue for years and years and years and gotten away with it with no problems had he not blown up in the locker room when he showed up one day to play, right? Yeah. That, that's what forced the team and said, okay, now we got to do something about this. He pro- and I'm not saying this in a good way, but he probably could have skated under the radar and gotten away with most of this and not had a public issue had this issue incident not happened. Well, and then, you know, the other things behind the scenes that we don't know about that fuel all of that as a, a potential coping mechanism. 
you know, Johnny Manziel, you mentioned uh, Untold, the Netflix documentary, Untold Johnny Football, which uh, is available tomorrow, tomorrow evening on, uh, on Netflix. Um, you know, he, he goes into detail about how uh, he was diagnosed as bipolar. And, you know, he, he felt like it was the same thing as being called a, an alcoholic or a drug addict. And this Untold series is going to document his rise through Texas A&M, uh, becoming one of the top college football players of all time, and then his fall from the NFL. And, Chad, I, I remember over the, what, 13 years we've been doing a show, we would discuss it's not Johnny Manziel when he's out. He is Johnny football. We saw this firsthand in College Station together. It's not Manziel. It's Johnny football. It is the brand. He's on. If he's out in College Station or anywhere, you're partying with Johnny football. And... He always lived up to it, but at the same time, there are things that that all that leads to, including he said that he was uh, so depressed that he had planned to kill himself, commit suicide. After going on a, a bender and a, a self-sabotage, he was going to uh, party and spend as much money as possible, and he was going to use that as the excuse to, to commit suicide. Sad. And uh, I'm glad he's telling his story. And he says he was just running from his problems. He said it was probably a $5 million bender. Direct self-sabotage, trying to burn this thing down. I planned to do everything that I wanted to do at that point in my life. Spend as much money as I possibly could. And then plan. the plan was to take my life. Months prior, I went and bought a gun I knew I was going to use. I wanted to get as bad as humanly possible to where it made sense. And it made it seem like it was an excuse I could use as an out for me. That's uh, Manziel on contemplating uh, taking his life. Sad deal. And I look forward to watching the, the movie uh, on yeah. Netflix about all this. But we've also heard this story so many times about guys who fit into a persona. And then they feel like they have to live up to the standards of that persona every time they're in public. Yeah. And th then it becomes your you're playing a character, you know, you're acting, you're playing a role. And Billy Lucci's talked about that with, with Johnny, the way you said Hutton, he's Johnny football out and about. And it's, it's almost, you have to have this moment with everyone to live up to that. Another guy I've read about, watched a lot, listened a lot about Chris Farley, yeah. you know, definitely fell into that same deal where he was very insecure naturally and was more of a quiet guy around his friends at times. But every time he got around a group or out in public, he felt like he had to deliver on the, the John Belushi level Chris Farley. That you had to have a party story with Chris Farley if you saw him out. You had to take a shot with him. That you had to go do other things with him. That he had to do that with everyone that he ever hung out with. And obviously that was a, became a huge issue for him. So these are stories we've heard throughout sports entertainment, everything throughout time. And um, talking to Billy about and getting a chance to meet him, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time with him, but I could see where there's two different versions of Johnny Manziel and Johnny Football. And you know, look, uh, this was during that, that span that, that he's referencing, this time period of his life. The Las Vegas photos, remember when he was like, he lost a, a lot of weight. He's not a big guy, but he lost a lot of weight. You could tell he's all drawn. Yep. And... Uh, had a bunch of new tattoos and stuff. That was the $5 million bender he's talking about. 
Uh, and now he's talking about the issues that he went through, which is a massive step. So, yeah, I, I, I'm glad he's telling his story because it can help and uh, help others and, potentially, and will help save others from doing the same thing. Maybe not spending $5 million, but finding an excuse to take your life, which is just so sad. Um, and, and again, this is, this is going to be something to watch tomorrow. We've got the director on tomorrow Yeah, of this. Now, looking forward to discussing it and uh, watching it when we get the chance. Uh, Chat Albert Hainsworth, he was discussing the Washington Redskins, his era. Says he, uh, he joined us on Friday, said he wishes now, looking back, he would have turned down the $100 million contract from Washington, went after some former teammates, uh, including Chris Cooley and Clinton Portis, and, and said they deserve to be in Washington, uh, you know, playing for that trash organization. He is not well-liked by Commanders fans, Albert. But he went all in on Shanahan, former teammates, said that Snyder, at least with him, was cool. Yeah, supported you got to go Dan back Snyder. and watch it. S supported Dan Snyder, but went in on everyone else. Yeah, which find, is, a, find the clips on social. Definitely uh, not the common take on what went on in no, Washington. It was picked up by the national outlets because Snyder's in the headlines and Albert is too now. Join us tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern, for Hot Mike with Honey Withrow across the Outkick Network.